Hello and a very warm welcome as you join us in our Bible teaching program called Search for Truth. It's great to have your company and uh, we'd like to thank you again for tuning in. Today with the third talk in our series where we're considering different aspects of the love of God. We readily acknowledge of course that any study of such a vast subject such as the love of God can only scratch the surface and this is especially so this time as we consider God's love for the whole world. How vast is that? So, now to Brian. Thanks, John. God is love is a true statement. We know that for sure because it comes from the Bible. But there's also a common saying which is not a biblical quote. And it's this. God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. Is that true? Well, there's some truth in it. But taken at face value, it can also be misleading. You see, God's hatred against sin never changes. But his love for the sinner does need some qualification. For starters, there are sinners mentioned in John 3 and verse 36, about whom John's gospel says the wrath of God remains on them. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 11 and verse 22 invites us to consider God's goodness to some sinners and his severity to yet other sinners. There's a variation in God's love for sinners that's not reflected in his hatred of sin. That's my point. In this study, I want to say something about God's stance towards this fallen world. Up until now, we've covered the topic of God's love for his Son, and then his providential love for all of creation, as he still actively maintains it. But the Bible makes two further affirmations. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, we are famously told that God loves the world. And then Ephesians chapter 5 says something a bit different. It's there the Bible explains Christ's love for the church. Now, obviously, the world and the church aren't the same. And that means two different things are being said here. And that's why we're into this discussion on the five dimensions or the five contexts of God's love. Faulty statements, or at least statements capable of being criticised, like we shared earlier, as in the case of God hates sin but loves a sinner, these type of statements do crop up. And they happen when a Bible verse expressing truth in one category of God's love is misapplied to another different category of God's love. We're back to the well-known issue of needing to understand a Bible verse in the context in which we find it. One of the most famous verses in the Bible, at least among evangelicals, is John chapter 3 and verse 16. Let's have the whole verse now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. When we focus on God so loving the world that he gave his one and only Son, we're dealing with God's expressed desire that all should be saved. We read of this in the Apostle Paul's first letter to Timothy, chapter 2, around verse 4. I'll read from verse 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Saviour, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, 
who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. Notice, Christ gave himself a ransom for all. God desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This is the same truth expressed in the Old Testament through Isaiah the prophet, when he says in chapter 45 and verse 22, a word from the Lord, Turn to me and be saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. But in this church age, for example, which is of the most relevance to us because we're living in it, it's the all who belong to the church who are actually saved and not all who are in the world. By the way, I should confirm that when we're referring to the church, there we're referring to the church Christ spoke of when he said, I will build my church in Matthew chapter 16. It's the same church which the Bible discusses in the New Testament letter to the Ephesians, particularly at the end of chapter 1 and again in chapter 5. Don't be confused with any so-called denomination. This reference to the church is not talking about any denomination. This church, Christ's church, is referring to all truly born-again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. From the time that we did about in Acts chapter 2 until the time we read about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that is, the return of Christ for his church. Coming back then to the distinction that we were making between God's love for the world and God's love for the church, Christ's church, we seem to be contrasting two different boundaries or limits of God's love, extending in the one context to all in the world who receive the offer of salvation, but in the other context, God's love extends only to the church, that is, to all in this present age of grace who experience and have experienced the reality of salvation through receiving Jesus Christ in personal faith. For some listening, that will raise the question, for whom then did Christ die? To answer that, would we not have to say there's a true biblical sense in which he died for all? The Apostle John writes in his first letter at the beginning of the second chapter, And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So there, the Apostle John, in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 2, speaks of how Jesus Christ died for the sins of all believers. And then he adds, but also for the whole world. That's what I mean when I say there was a sense in which Christ died for the whole world. But equally, there's a real biblical sense in which Christ died for his people, his own, or his sheep, as the first part of that verse we've quoted shows also. As we'll explore more fully next time, God willing, there's a different sense, which is just as clearly stated in the Bible, and it's a sense in which Christ died only for all who believe on him. So what are we saying? We're saying that God loves, and Christ died for, the world in a real sense. But in a different sense, God loves, 
and Christ died for, believers on the Lord Jesus. It's not so much the extent of God's love or even the extent of Christ's sacrifice that distinguishes these two cases. It's more the intent behind each case that differs. God's love for the world in providing Christ and the availability of the offer of salvation through his cross to whoever in the world may differ in its intent from the love which God in Christ has shown to the church, but it's still real love. The Apostle Paul writes in the first couple of chapters of Romans to those who were in the world, but who did not belong to Christ's church, that is, who were not Christians. And this is what we read there, Romans 2 verse 1. Therefore you have no excuse, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that which you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge, practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. But do you suppose this, O man, when you pass judgment on those who practice such things and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and tolerance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. They might willfully forget and willingly suppress the truth and by doing so lightly regard God's kindness, tolerance and patience. But what they're regarding so lightly is God's genuine love for this world and specifically towards them. God's stance towards a fallen world is a truly loving one, one that invites and entreats and does so in kindness and faithfulness, even to the point of superintending the sending out of missionaries and apologists to a world that largely rejects him and makes nothing of his love. God is grieved by the sin of the Christ rejecter, and he finds no pleasure in the death of the wicked. In fact, there's an emotional intensity about God's judgments and wrath in the New Testament as well as in the Old Testament. God was grieved in his heart at the wickedness of the world before the great flood in Noah's day. Turning to the New Testament, take for example how the Gospels record Jesus lamenting and mourning over the city of Jerusalem. Here's Matthew 23 and verse 37. Jesus says, Jerusalem! Jerusalem, who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together, the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were unwilling. Can we read such verses and doubt the reality of God's love for a fallen world, even if it does not result in the salvation of all?
I'm glad that I can include myself in that wonderful Bible verse we've just heard sung. For, after all, if Jesus died for all mankind, then certainly Jesus died for me. As usual, there's the transcript booklet of all the talks in the series, and it's free for you, and if you'd like one, or more than one for group Bible study or to pass on to friends, make sure to let us have your postal address and ask for the title God's Five Loves. Now, you can also download our booklets via the internet. I'll tell you in a bit how to do that. Or you can order by email or by post. Uh, So first, I'll give you the postal address. Search for Truth, Church of God, Downing Drive, Leicester LE5, 6LN, UK. And now, here's our email address. sft at churchesofgod.info Now, if you prefer, you can download audio MP3 versions of some past programmes or listen to more again via the podcast player on your computer. But uh, you need to go to www.searchfortruth.org.uk This is our church website where you can also access additional helpful material. Now, some titles of Search for Truth booklets are also available at Amazon dot co dot uk forward slash kindle ebooks just type search for truth series into the search box and there you'll find a growing list of transcript books from previous programs and as they're constantly being made available then frequent visits are advisable to find new booklets so many thanks once more for the pleasure of your company today we've thoroughly enjoyed having you with us And we invite you to join us next week again, if you can, when we'll be looking at God's love for his children. So, until then, it's very best wishes from Bible teacher Brian and studio technician David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you.